What's up? How we doing? You guys tired? Come on. Good. I'm glad you're tired. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I think it's important that we talk about this subject. I think you know and as well as I do that you live in a culture and maybe you're part of a culture and whether it's amongst your friends at school or it's um, in your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, we live in a culture in which we are surrounded by sexuality. We're surrounded by sexuality. And I think the issue is, um, as Christians, you, you toe this line, right? If you're, if you're a Christian and you're, you know, trying to pursue the Lord and you're trying to be pure, what you're doing is you're saying, well, all that's bad, 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 bad. So therefore, I, I, it's all just, I, and you know, I'm not even going to, I'm going to suppress these feelings that I have, right? So it's, it's this constant just suppressing these, these desires, the innate things, so that you, you don't fall into those things. But ultimately, what you need to recognize is sex and sexuality is actually a gift from God. And it's actually something God has given humans, the people that he has created. It's not something that's to be avoided at all costs, yet it's something in its proper context is supposed to give life and connection and things that are beautiful. And so what I want us to understand, and you recognize it all the way back at the very beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve, and God says, be fruitful and multiply. And in doing so, not only is sex used for procreation, for, uh, for you to have kids, but it was also used as a means of pleasure between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. Adam and Eve were the first marriage. They were joined together. And from there, you get this thing called marriage that God has created in which is the proper context is what God, throughout the Bible, speaking through the, the writers of the Bible, asks us to follow in his design, asks us to have sex in its context. And so the temptation for us as believers, maybe you were told since you were young that sex is bad, 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 bad. And you're not supposed to partake in it. But I'm here to tell you that God has given us the gift of sex to be enjoyed with our husband and with our wife. Okay? So, sex in its proper context is actually a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Like I said, it's a gift from God. But outside of its context, and we'll read this in Paul's letter, it has the power to destroy our lives. It has the power to greatly change the way that we view women. The way it has the power to change in which the way that we view men. It has the power to create in us a way in which we objectify women and objectify men. 
And what's really important for us to understand is you might think it's no big deal right now. But I'm telling you, as you kind of grow in this culture, and as you grow up and you begin to see the effects of it on your life, you'll recognize this is no small deal. Sex outside of its context has the power to really, really, really affect your psychology, your emotions, your relationships, all of it. And Paul recognizes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, how powerful this thing is and how we are to avoid it at all costs. Not because it's bad, but because outside of its context, it has the power to really affect us and change us. So let's dive in. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his or her own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Many of us, we think that purity, when we talk about purity, we think of purity rings, we think of abstinence, I don't know why I said it like that, abstinence, we think of just abstaining from sex altogether, we think of all these things, and we think of that's what purity is, that's what sexual purity is, and obviously, while all those things God has asked us to do, God has asked us to abstain from sex before marriage. He has asked us to do all these things. It's clear when we talk about sexual immorality, and I'll define it in a second. What does that even mean? Many of us like, what is sexual immorality? I'll define that in a second. He's asked us to flee from these things, but why? What is purity in its core? What does it mean to be pure? And there's this famous quote by this writer and thinker, and he says this, purity is to will one thing. Purity is to will one thing. And so when we're talking about sexual purity, what we're talking about is the fact that, man, sexual purity is not about abstinence. Sexual purity is actually, and the only way we're actually going to be able to fight our sexual sin is by pursuing, following after, loving, and getting to know Christ. It's finding your satisfaction in who God is rather than finding your satisfaction in the world. And see, we have a choice every day, not just with sexual stuff. Well, we have a choice with the way that we use our time, whether or not we are going to pursue our relationship with Christ and get to know him more in his word and spend time in prayer, or we have a choice to go about our day just hanging out with friends, and then each day leads to next and next day and the next day and the next day. And you look back and all of a sudden four years are gone like that. And you're graduating. And you look back on your life and you're thinking, did I really even just pursue the Lord? Or was that just whole time just for me? Was I the ultimate end? Did I just, did I just want to please myself that whole time? Because in the end, you're left with yourself and you recognize, man, that was not fulfilling at all. Many of us who are in high school, and maybe perhaps even some of us, many of us who are in middle school, we recognize our addiction 
Some of us, and I'd say 80%, and this is a statistic, 80% of us struggle with an addiction to pornography, the young men. From the ages of 13 all the way to the age of like 22. 80%. And then when you look at the statistic within the church, that statistic doesn't drop. It's still around 75 to 80%. So what you have to ask yourself, the question is, where are we finding our satisfaction there's something broken, okay? And there's something in which we're using these things to fulfill that brokenness. And not just using it, but we're choosing to do it. We're choosing to rebel against God in that way. When it says at the very beginning, flee sexual immorality, you're probably asking me the question, well, how do you, how do you jump from there to porn? Like, how, how do, like there, there seems to be a big gap between sexual morality and pornography. Well, like, I'm mean, going to tell you, the definition of sexual morality is this. Is any sexual intimacy, which just means behavior, any sexual behavior or attitude or mindset or action, whether it be through the mind or through the body, that is outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. That's what sexual immorality is. And that's not only what the New Testament talks about. That's not what just Paul is talking about. That's throughout Scripture. You find it in the Old Testament. And when Paul says sexual immorality, it's the same word that's being used in Deuteronomy. It's the same word that's being used in the Old Testament. And so what you see is throughout Scripture, it's not just something in the Old Testament, oh, you, you're to abstain from those things in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's different. It's okay. No, it, it, it's, he's making this universal. Paul is saying to the Corinthians in this moment, flee from sexual immorality. Sex, sexuality outside of context. Like I said, it's a gift, but outside of context, it has the power, it's a weapon. It can destroy our lives. It can affect our minds greatly. And even in secular culture, would you begin to recognize the sexual addiction, whether it's pornography or just having sex with different people, is damaging to our psychology. And you recognize that. Just even non-Christians are saying that. And people that are like addicted to porn that aren't Christians are saying, man, I, I don't know what to do. I just, it, my dopamine levels are all out of whack. It affects my mind, all this stuff. And they don't know what to do because they're just continually falling into it. And can I just tell you, if secular culture, if non-Christians, if atheists, if these people are starting to recognize, recognize that these things are, are damaging to us, how much more do we need to recognize how damaging it is to the believer? For us who believe in Jesus Christ, who have been saying this for thousands of years, that there are not only spiritual consequences, but physical consequences to our sin. They've been saying this for thousands of years. And finally, psychology has caught up to what the Bible has said and even non-Christians are beginning to realize, man, there's something wrong about this. Why would they say that? They don't believe in God. They don't believe in a higher power, an objective moral standard. Yet they recognize the effects of this sin. And they recognize, man, this is really bad. And we are to view it as something that is serious and that is to be gotten rid of in our life. 
And it's easier said than done. And I'm sure some of you in this room are saying, yeah, I know that. (laughs) Every time I fall into it, I am ashamed. And I know the feeling. I've been there in high school where you have four good days, you have one bad night, and then you have a bad two weeks. And the cycle continues in which you feel ashamed and you hate it and you want it out of your life. You want this addiction gone. You want to be free from this. You don't want to look at these things anymore. Yet at the same time we do because we keep running back to it time and time again. So how do we fight these things? How do we fight our sexual sin with our boyfriend or with our girlfriend? in which we're spending time alone and every single time we cross the line, quote unquote, and then we feel guilty and weird and it causes these you know, weird relational issues with each other. And it's like, how do we avoid that? Flee from it. It's what Paul says here. Paul never, and I want you to notice, and you might be tempted to say, how far is too far? But Paul doesn't ever ask that question. And he never gives an answer to that question. How far is too far? Well, sexual morality is too far. Well, and here's the line. And Paul's not saying get as close to the line as possible. What Paul is saying is get as far away from the line as possible. Why? Because if you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're alone or you're just spending all this time together by yourselves, do you really think you're going to be strong enough to fight that temptation with that person? God has given us these desires We were created with sexual urges, believe it or not, and many of us are beginning to experience that. And I'm telling you right now, sexuality outside of context, like I said, is very, very dangerous. And so it's not just a matter of, man, suppressing these things. It's a matter of finding your satisfaction in other things. Because soon you will be able to do this when you're married and I think, when I say this, it always sounds so weird because a lot of you, you're junior hires and you're high schoolers and it just seems so far away. But your job is, with regards to purity is not to, just, is not to just stop doing the things that you're tempted to do. It's to find your satisfaction in the Lord. And it's to pursue him wholeheartedly. And as a result, these things that are just like surrounding you in our culture you begin to kind of not be interested when God begins to transform your heart. And I'm not telling you all of a sudden you won't have sexual urges. That's going to that's gonna be with you for a long time. But what we need is a culture that is saturated by these things that's saying, it's okay, it's okay, look at this, look at this, look at this. We have to be wise because even though sex is not a bad thing, It has the power to greatly affect us. So we have to be aware of the fact that we're surrounded by these things. And we're not doing it in a way in which we're saying, no, 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 no. We're saying, okay, eventually. I'm not going to entertain those thoughts right now. I'm going to pursue the Lord wholeheartedly. And I'm going to love him and find a satisfaction in him and not in the things of this world. And so what you see is you see purity is not just not doing things. Purity is a matter of the heart and it's a matter of wisdom. That's what purity is. It's a matter of where's your heart lie. When you read scripture, when you read this, when it says glorify God in your body and saying You 
Bring glory to God with the way that you use your body and the way that you behave and the way that you act with your body. And so if that is the case, then we need to figure out how do we glorify God? Where is my heart? Do I love God? Do I love him? Do I want to pursue him? Therefore, do I want to glorify him? Or do I want to find satisfaction in the things of the world and sever that relationship? Ultimately, the saddest part about our sin, especially sexual sin, is that the Holy Spirit lives within us. And when we entertain these thoughts, when we fall into temptation, when we not fall into temptation, when we choose to do these things, when we choose to look at the things that we're not supposed to look at and find pleasure in those things, when we choose to find pleasure with our boyfriend or girlfriend, we're ultimately choosing those things over God. And we begin to lift those things on a pedestal And over time, and we talk about this often in the church, it's called purity culture. And in a sense, you're just supposed to suppress these feelings over, and you're just, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And what ends up happening is when you suppress it your whole life, and it's good in a way, but they don't know the reason why. And then ultimately, they get into marriage, and they get married because they want to fulfill that sexual desire. And then what ends up happening is they look at their husband or their wife in an objectifying way. Because ultimately, they're just an object for them to be satisfied in. And they don't realize that sex is so much more than just pleasure. Sex is something that is supposed to unify us to that person, to our husband, to our wife. And it's supposed to help us be unified and connected and all those things. But they just viewed it as, oh, one day I'll be able to find pleasure in this. And therefore, when you're married, boom, you're able to do it. And then you're left wondering, like, well, why isn't it really working that well? Is it, is it me? Is it the other person? And we fail to recognize, man, you've just objectified this person because you've been told your entire life that sex is bad, 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 and one day you'll be able to do it as the world does it. And that's not the case at all. Sexuality, in the world's case, is just so that is just a purely selfish thing. It's so that you can get satisfaction, so that when you look at that screen, you feel good. When sexuality given by God, was supposed to help men and women connect in an intimate way and be unified. And it's this beautiful thing where, you know, and many of us, some of us, maybe even just when we've had sex outside of a marriage, you've recognized in your own heart, in your own life, things changed with this person. Maybe sexual intimacy, you recognize now we're very connected, and the breakup was harder than anything I've ever experienced before. It affected me emotionally, mentally, in so many different ways. I've experienced that. I was sexually intimate when I was in high school with the person that I was dating. And the breakup was this weird, you know, I, I recognized I needed a breakup with this person, and I was very glad that I did because it wasn't a good relationship. Yet at the same time, there was a part of me, and there was this broken aspect and this emotional connection that you get. And 
It affects you. And what you recognize is that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 is true. Every other sin is outside of the body. Yet this sin is unique in the sense that it, it affects your body and your mind. It affects your relationships with one another. It affects everything about your life. So how do we get rid of it? you got to ask yourself the question, man, do I find satisfaction in these things or do I find satisfaction in the Lord? And you might ask yourself the question, well, how do I find more satisfaction in Christ than I do in the world? Can I just tell you, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Your mind has been trained by this culture and this world to fall into those things, to choose to do those things, to submit yourself to sexual sin, to be surrounded by it and just be like, oh, it's it's whatever, it's just the way it is. And turn your minds off to the reality that it surrounds you. The world has trained your mind to think that way. And so what do we need to do? We need to rely upon God's word and the Holy Spirit to begin to change the way that we view it. Because if you're serious about, man, the fact that this, this ruins relationships, the fact that this has the power to destroy my life, the fact that this has the power to, to affect me for years to come, I need to figure out a way to get rid of it. But the only way that you're going to be able to do that, the only way is by recognizing that you have found your satisfaction in the things of the world and not of God. And you have no hope in fighting your sexual sin unless you love God more than the things of the world. It's not about not doing stuff. That's not what purity is. Purity is to will one thing. Purity is to pursue God in your heart and in your mind. And you might, over the course of a period of time, as you're reading the word of God, as you're trying to pursue him, that you'll fall into sin. And that the devil's going to try and get you to doubt whether or not you know him. And I'm asking you in those moments to shut it down, to reorient your mind around Christ and remember that he's nailed your sins to the cross. And to keep moving, to not give up. Because you're going to want to. There may be times where you're pursuing the Lord and you're reading the word of God and you're daily spending time with him and you'll still fall into sin. And the cycle that Satan's going to try to use is to shame you and then you to cope with it using those things. But I'm asking you to keep moving forward. Keep stripping off those, those desires Keep praying that God would remove some of those things in your heart and in your mind. That he would remain the sole focus of your life and your attention and your satisfaction. And your job right now is to love God and pursue him more. And to dive into that relationship with him. Because one day you will get to experience these things, hopefully. And I pray that you are able to. But That's not our goal right now. Our goal and our desires aren't to be fulfilled in that way yet. So God is to be our satisfaction. And we're to find pleasure and enjoy him. 
That's the thing, is many of you guys don't realize you were designed to enjoy God. You were designed to have communion with him, and sin separates that. And what you recognize, especially with sexual sin, is that it separates you, and it creates an idol of your, in your heart of this person that you've done it with, or this, this image. And you forget that anyone who practices sin is a slave to it, and God does not want you to be a slave to sin. He wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to have communion with him. Turn to Psalms 119. Psalms is a huge book in the Bible. It's right before, or it's right after, it's right before Proverbs, and it's right after the book of Job. So just make sure, give me a thumbs up when you guys found it. Awesome. Psalms 119. Here's what it says. Verse 9. Go down to verse 9. Here's what it says. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And in David and other Psalms, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. David committed adultery. David committed sexual immorality with somebody. He was married or this person was married and he had sexual intimacy with this person. And you can read it in the book of Psalms. He was torn apart. Yet David is, is regarded as a man after God's own heart. And in this moment, you think, man, why does David get to talk about what it means to be pure? He did not live a pure life. But at the same time, none of us have. And David, in this moment of brokenness, recognized, man, I've committed a sin, not just against this person or this person, but I have committed a sin against God, the person that I want to be closest with, the person who has my heart, the person who I want to pursue with everything that I am. I've sinned against that person. And in this moment, he's writing, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it, guarding it according to your word with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So simply, it doesn't just mean that you read your Bible and you love God more, therefore you start to sin less and less. What he's saying is that as you read the word of God, as you store up his commandments in your heart, as you spend time in the Bible, you begin to recognize who God is. And as you begin to recognize who he is, you love him more and more. And the things of the world begin to diminish. And you recognize, man, that stuff just doesn't satisfy. Have you ever felt a long-lasting satisfaction from your sexual sin? You've recognized in your own life, man, it's but a moment. Then you feel guilty and you don't understand why you keep doing it. And it's a cycle and it's a cycle. And God wants us to wake up. He wants us to see him for who he really is, the one who actually can satisfy us, not these things, not your boyfriend and girlfriend. Ultimately, I don't find I'm married. I don't find my ultimate satisfaction in my wife. She is a gift from God, and she 
helps me and sharpens me in so many different ways, but ultimately my ultimate satisfaction is not in her, it's in God. And it's time to put our money where our mouths are and to actually get serious about killing our sin. It's easier said than done, like I said. But don't give up. You need to kill your sin or it will be killing you. It will affect everything about you. It will affect the way that you see things. We got to retrain our minds. We got to stop spending so much time on our phone, scrolling, 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 expecting nothing to happen. We got to have wisdom. We got to have enough humility and wisdom to ask for help in places in which we can find it. There are so many different organizations and websites that will help us with our addictions to pornography, with our sexual addictions. And believe it or not, this is not just something that will affect you now. This is something that is a phenomenon in the church, even amongst pastors. People who are on platforms. It's common, very, very common. And it affects our relationships, like I've said a thousand times. And I want nothing more than for you guys to recognize that purity is not just about abstinence but it's about following after God and it's about loving him more and as a result, not wanting to sever that relationship with him, with your sin. So let's do it. Let's pursue purity, not for purity's sake, but because that's what God wants us to do, but because we won't find satisfaction in sexual things. God is the only one that can satisfy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, sex is a gift from you, and we recognize that. And I'm thankful for just the maturity of these young people in this room to talk about something that so often in our culture is laughed about or even just um, seen as not a big deal, but you see it as a big deal. And you have designed it in a very specific way not only with our bodies, but with our emotions and our soul and our mind. And God, help us to see it as precious enough to be waited for and to hold out, not to suppress our feelings, but to shift our focus on who you are, to shift our focus on the things of the Lord and recognize that th those feelings of sexual pleasure are but a moment and outside of context, we recognize, man, it leads us into places of sin and condemnation with ourselves. And God, help us recognize that sexuality is meant to unify a man and a woman, one man, one woman, to be connected together. Yet the problem in our culture is we don't have a high enough view of it and we think that it can be happened or it can be pursued between many partners. And we recognize that that is a damaging thing and that it will affect us. God, we love you. God, help us not to just suppress these things, but to see why we are to remain pure. 
And not to ultimately feel ashamed because we're attracted to people, but to ultimately pursue you above all else. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.